The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I am a little bit under the weather. But I will be undeterred. I will record our show. I will have a good time with it. I will bring some knowledge. I will bring some excitement, maybe even a little song and dance. You just never know. Depends on how much this cold medicine impacts me. But all that being said, hope that you guys are doing great. It's a new day. You know, this time last week, we were um, working through a lot of anxiety. We are working through some emotional investment that we had not, not had a lot of great return on. But uh, here we are now. We know who our head coach is. We are now working through staffing issues. What I understand from uh, sources close to the situation, Mike Leach is expected to bring his entire offensive staff with him to Mississippi State to bring his strength and conditioning staff as well as his special teams coordinator. We're still waiting to see what will happen at defensive coordinator. I understand Coach Leach is actually interviewing some candidates today, expecting a decision at some point this week, and and that's the million-dollar question right now. It's okay, Steve, now we've got the head coach. We understand the offense. We understand Aaron Feld's not coming. What about defensive coordinator? We've got to have somebody that is familiar with big-time football coaching your defense. You may may recall this, but Washington State – uh, had a resignation mid-year from their defensive coordinator. So he's not bringing his own D.C. Matter of fact, I understand he's not uh, bringing any defensive people until after he has hired a D.C. That said, do expect for Tony Hughes to remain on staff on the field as a safeties coach. I expect that to happen. And so then you've got your D.C. and you've got to figure out how you want to coach your corners, your D.B.s, I mean, your defensive line, your linebackers. So that's all part of the plan right now. I expect all that to be settled. Now, as it stands right now, there are no official visitors set to uh, be on the Starville campus this weekend. Should have some next weekend, and then we'll see about the following weekend. State only has a handful of visits left to use uh, for this class, and only got a handful of guys left to recruit for this class. Uh, So we'll see what happens with all of that here in the coming uh, weeks. As it stands now, Mississippi State could sign as many as four more players. As I shared with you guys throughout the last month or so, Mississippi State looking to target another offensive lineman, an outside linebacker, an older safety, and then a best available if necessary. Might That might save that spot for a transfer portal wide receiver. Who knows? With the new staff coming in, they may assess the needs differently. That said, Brady Ward, offensive lineman from St. Paul's School there in Mobile, Alabama, becomes the first official offer of the Mike Leach era. Interviewed him over the weekend. He is set to officially visit Mississippi State the weekend 24th. Got a lot of Bulldogs in his family. So we'll see what happens. But I feel like State's in a pretty good position there. 
want to thank our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company. Great folks, great food, great prices, great atmosphere. You need a good night out dining. You're not going to have a better experience than a Bulldog Burger Company. I get so many of these messages now, like people, you know, for a long time, people tagged me in their tweets when they would go to Bulldog Burger Company and start. Well, now I'm getting that in Tupelo. People love it. I even got some friends of mine that didn't know that I was affiliated with Bulldog Burger Company until they started going in there. And then their friends were like, oh, yeah, well, Steve Robertson's always talking about how good a place it is. That's one of the reasons, too, I think you guys need to understand this. I would not partner with people that I don't believe in. I believe in Bulldog Burger Company. I am in there regularly. I love going anytime friends come in from out of town and say, hey, where do you want to eat lunch? It's Bulldog Burger Company. Find your own favorites. Go by Bulldog Burger Company. you got two locations now to serve you. One in Starkville and now Tupelo. Right here on University Drive in Starkville and on Gloucester in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, before we jump into some more football stuff, I want to go ahead and handle this basketball stuff. Uh, like many of you, I'm not happy with men's basketball right now. And so somebody asked me, they were just, man, disappointed in that ball game. And I'll be honest with you, my emotional buy-in to men's basketball is fading. I mean, it is really fading. One of the things that we talked about on this show uh, right after we lost to New Mexico State is the path home looks to be pretty narrow. I shared then it was a good chance the state could open the SEC slate. 0-3. That is exactly what we've done. We had to open. Now, let's, let's be fair to the team. You know, we were not given an easy path at the beginning. We played the number one team in the SEC, Auburn, to open the SEC schedule. We were competitive in that ball game and lost it late. Auburn did what great teams do. They find a way to put you away. We look abysmal on the road at Alabama, which we've taken some good teams to Coleman Coliseum and come home with a loss. This is not a good Alabama team. We made them look good. We get drilled 90-69 to 69 against a very bad offensive team. And then we lose in heartbreaking fashion at the PMAC on Saturday. And uh, listen, could have handled it the last couple minutes a lot better, but the bottom line is you get a loss. And this is what happens. Mediocre to below average teams find a way to lose late in ball games, And that's what we did. We didn't find a way to close out Auburn, despite the fact that we, we led a lot of that ball game. We were never competitive in a second half against Alabama. And then we choke one away at LSU. And it's not a great LSU team. People say, well, Steve, they were the defending SEC champions. And that's true. And they lost a ton of those pieces. There's no reason we should have gone and won that ball game. But we didn't. So now it's 0-3, whether it was a one-point loss or at the buzzer or a 31-point loss or a 50-point loss or a 100-point loss. It all counts the same in the standings. Mississippi State now 0-3 in the SEC. Nine and six overall. Nine and six. Absolutely abysmal showing where we are. Now, the good news is we got a chance to get even here. It's not going to be easy, but the next three games coming home. Tomorrow night, 8 p.m., we'll host Missouri, and then Saturday we host Georgia, and then next Wednesday we get Arkansas in here. All three of those, again, winnable games. I don't care who you are or where you're from. It's difficult to win on the road at every level but especially in the SEC play. It's difficult to get road wins in this league. State's got to get fat while the food is being served, and that's going to be this next uh, 10 days or so when you got a chance to get these three games. you got a chance to kind of climb back into this thing. But one of the things that frustrates me is we always seem to find a way to put ourselves in a hole. 
and not just on the, the SEC schedule or the season, but in games. It is just something that is in the Bulldog DNA with this basketball team. It's that we, we show flashes of absolute brilliance. We struggle to put people away, but we're always digging ourselves a hole. I haven't seen anybody yet, with the exception of Auburn, and, and that's marginal, that I would say is just simply a better team than Mississippi State. Uh, State goes out and gets Villanova all they want, and then some. And I think everybody kind of jumped on board and said, you know what, we're going to be all right this year. We're going to be okay. And I don't know if we got a little bit overconfident, or I don't know if perhaps other people got more film on us or a combination of both. But the bottom line is we are not playing well. We are not playing good basketball. One of the things that's frustrating for me is I look at the talent that we have. I see Reggie Perry and and Robert Woodard and, and Tyson Carter and Nick Weatherspoon, and I think to myself, why aren't we getting more in transition? Why aren't we getting out and running and kind of bringing the pace? I mean, and you look at some of these scores. You know, we lose 60 to 59 to LSU. We put up 69 on Alabama. We lose 80 to 68. Uh, in SEC play, it looks like we're going to be a 60-point type team. And a lot of that, I believe, is just simply a product of our offensive system. We are a grinded-out, half-court offensive team. And I don't really know if we have the pieces or the guard play to consistently win in the half-court. I think we've got to use our athleticism, and I hate to sound like I'm second-guessing Ben Howen, but to to date, I have won just as many SEC games as a coach this season as Ben Howen has. So, uh, again, we're not where we need to be in any stretch of the imagination. If State loses, you know, two of these next three ball games, I, I think the season, in all intents and purposes, is over, and that we are likely playing out the string. Got a tough game coming up here pretty soon in the SEC Big 12 Challenge as we travel to Oklahoma, and then we go to Florida a couple days later. That stretch right there, folks, to open February, not going to be easy. We get Tennessee at home, we go to Kentucky, we get Vanderbilt here, then we travel to Ole Miss. And listen, it's not the league is not good this year. Yeah, you know, Kentucky's pretty good. Auburn's really good. We're, we're it's not a great basketball league this year. And so we've got a chance if we can kind of come together and win some games down the stretch. I look at the second half of the SEC schedule. You know, once we get through, you know, that road trip to Ole Miss, and you know, we won up there last year. But it's not like that. Uh, that's an impossible feat for us. There's a lot of games on here that look to be winnable. But we've got to turn it around pretty quick here. Most of the flash in our conference schedule comes at the beginning, the first half. And and it's interesting. People are saying, well, you know, Steve, maybe we can squeak out 8-8 eight and eight in the league. I don't know if 8-8 eight and eight's enough to get us in when you look at our net. And, I, and considering the fact that we're coming off an SEC uh, winning season last year and an, an appearance in the NCAA tournament, I don't think 8-8's eight eight's good enough. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but I expect us to be a little bit better uh, at this point, I mean, when you consider the fact this this is the final year for Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard to come out, there are some people that are projecting him uh, to be a first or second rounder, should he elect to come out. You know, what happens when we run out of Bulldog legacies? Because it's not like Ben Howen has just beat the bushes and we brought in all this talent from all over the country. You know, many of the guys that are on this team, you got three starters right now, the, the sons of former Mississippi State basketball players. Tyson Carter, Robert Woodard, Reggie Perry. You don't need me to run that down for you. So, but what, so what happens when we run out of legacy kids? That's a, it's a the million dollar question. And so I think we are at a turning point in the Ben Howland era. 
I think these next three games will determine a lot. They're going to be home games. We need a big crowd. And, one, and I, listen, I, I've never been one to criticize our fans for not coming to the men's basketball games. I know it's difficult during midweek, especially. And if you're going to make the trip to Starkville and bring the family up here, chances are you're going to come watch the women play because you feel like they have a chance to win every single game. So the crowds are not there. And then when you do things, when you open 0-3 in the SEC, that negatively impacts attendance more than anything else. Every time that they, that they kind of draw us back in, then they'll lose to Louisiana Tech or they'll go lose to New Mexico State. They open 0-3 in the league. And so th- this season is not going well, despite the fact that we have as good a talent as just about anybody in the SEC. We certainly have top-tier conference talent. We have NCAA tournament talent. We're not playing as such, but we have that talent. So hopefully we can turn this thing around. But, uh, you know, some people have uh, have messaged me kind of jokingly and said, okay, Steve, uh, now that we've got a football co- coach hired, tell John it's time to get back on a job. Referencing the men's basketball program. Uh, I hope Ben can turn it around. One of the things that Ben Howland has been a very good coach over his career is it's when, when his back is against the wall, he typically finds a way to bring the best basketball out of his players. I know his first year, we were so tough down the stretch, and that's really been, you know, I guess what you could say that's been kind of the marquee of uh, Howland's tenure here at Mississippi State is he has been a good second half of the year SEC coach. Some of that is because the schedule flips and the competition's not quite as difficult. But, you know, we, we played Tennessee – pretty tough here the last couple of years, despite the fact they had a little more talent than us. So maybe it all comes together. I want it to work out. I want us to get back to the NCAA tournament. I think everybody said, okay, last year we made it, but despite the fact that we lose Q, we've got a chance to be a better team all the way around next year, even though we lose our best player, because we'll be a little more difficult to defend because we're going to be able to, to play inside out. Well, that hadn't happened. That hasn't happened. We miss Lamar Peters more than I think people realize. Look at the women's side of things. Uh, women are playing well. Women are playing really well. Matter of fact, nobody's really staying with them. I guess that game at Georgia was a little bit of a tussle. You know, we win that ball game 73-66, but really down the stretch it was our game. We go on the road and we beat Mizzou 79-64. Really, really good ball game in many respects. As I shared with you guys last week, you know, Missouri at Missouri Arena, they have given us some trouble over the years. We've taken some good teams up there and come home with a bad result. But we get a win, and it counts just as much as all the rest of us SEC wins. But running down the numbers here, we're beginning to see see Rakia Jackson become the scorer that we expected her to be. You know, early in the year, people were like, well, hey, Steve, was she overrated? No, she's a freshman. It takes a little while to kind of acclimate to to shooting against an SEC caliber defense. But uh, we are beginning to see her confidence grow, and as a result, her production. 21 points to lead the way against Mizzou. Pretty good shooting night, to say the least. 9 of 15 from the floor, 3 of 3 from the line, pulls down 9 rebounds, got in a little bit of foul trouble, and still led the team in scoring. Got to get those turnovers down, also led the team in turnovers. Jordan Danbury led the team in minutes with 32 minutes. 8 of 15 from the floor. Got to get better from the free throws there, uh, Joe. Pulls down four rebounds. Stayed out of foul trouble. Just the one turnover, three assists, and 18 points. 
Uh, you'd like to see a little more distribution of the basketball there because she is kind of that secondary point guard. But you know, we're getting we're getting value out of Jordan Denbury. Uh, Chloe Bibby, thirteen points and uh, eight rebounds. We'll take that from her every night. She, I mean, it's that's what she is. That's what she is, and she's uh, you know a player that can stretch the floor three of eight from three point line to lead the team. Uh, matter of fact, State just made the three three pointers. She had them all. That's one of the things I think this year we had, we kind of hope to stretch the floor a little bit more because you know last year Andrea Howard and Tierra you know kind of beat everybody up down low in the paint on rebounds, second chance points. We're going to have to have somebody else step up and be more consistent from the outside, which kind of leads me to the point of what is going on with Andrea Espinosa Hunter. Just five minutes of action again. She is not the player she was last year. Not sure what's going on with her. Maybe we can find out, but she is not the contributor she was a year ago. Down the stretch last year, she was almost unstoppable in the SEC tournament. She absolutely destroyed everybody that tried to play zone against us. She's good. we got to get her going. Now, to me, that's the difference in us making a strong run in the tournament or just being in the tournament. I think we've got to find a way to get Andy going. Beginning to get a few more minutes out of Promise Taylor. Again, Jessica Carter is the main attraction down low. Jessica plays 21 minutes of action, 4 of 7 for the floor, 8 points. Uh, four rebounds, got a little bit of foul trouble. But again, the team is playing well. The team is playing well. When you look at this schedule, you begin to think, all right, we've got a chance to kind of get fat here pretty quick. LSU on Thursday, uh, that should be a W. And then we go to South Carolina. That's a big one, not just for um, SEC play, but when you begin to look at the national part of the, the national picture here, you got a chance to do something big to go win that South Carolina game. It's because of the fact that it's it's become such a rivalry, and it's been you know, it's a very competitive rivalry. This LSU team coming in here too, uh, no slouch by any stretch of the imagination. They're thirteen and three overall, and three and one in the conference. That being said, that only they really you know that they won they won that big ball game down at Texas A&M last week. Bib and I'm sitting down there. So they will not sneak up on Mississippi State. 71-60 winners against Alabama. They lose at Mizzou, 65-69, and then they bounce back to beat A&M. It's a big ball game. And then they, they beat up beat a very bad Ole Miss team, 52-44 to over the weekend. And, again, they'll be here on, on Thursday. So that's, that's a big ball game too. South Carolina, we mentioned that's, you know, I'm a I'm a Dawn Staley fan. I know other people can't stand her. I think she is a tremendous competitor and a tremendous coach. And I know we're going to get their best shot when we go up there because we have won the SEC the last two years, and we've uh, beaten them the last couple of years. But um, they will play at Mizzou on Thursday, and then and then host us uh, on next Monday, a week from the day. They have blistered some people and scored a ton of points in SEC play. Put up 99 against Kentucky, 93 against Alabama, 91 against Arkansas, and 93 against Vanderbilt. They're scoring at a tremendous clip. 16-1 and overall. Many people expected them to win the conference this year. They're certainly in a position to do that. But Mississippi State will have something to say about that. I don't know if they have seen a defensive effort like State will bring, but this is not the State defenses we've had in the last couple of years. So that'll be interesting to say the least. Then we get that Vanderbilt team, team, and again, you know, 
Vanderbilt, it's a, they used to be a power in this conference in women's basketball. It has not been that way in recent years. They're much better this year, though. 12-5 and five overall, 2-2 two and two in the conference, and just kind of running down these numbers here of the conference. You know, they, they take down Auburn, who has really been bad this year. They lose at Florida. They win at Georgia, and then they lose to South Carolina. So they're going to come in here looking to do some good things. I'm, I'm confident of that. Now, up the road at Oxford, a lot of people are expecting them to be much better this year. They have had some things not go their way. They are not a good team. Uh, they had an injury earlier in the year. They dismissed one of their leading scorers last week. They are 7-10 and 10 and 0-4 in the conference, and these conference games have not been pretty in the least. They lose at home to Georgia, 58-51. Then they go to A&M and get beat 79-35. Tennessee beats them in the pavilion, 84-28. And then they lose at OSU, 52-44. They'll host Mizzou and then play at Auburn, and Auburn is also a bad team before they come here. So State's got a really good chance to get to get some wins here and, and kind of get in that top half of the league in the first half of the season. I want to remind you guys, too, our friends at Campus Bookmart, they're happy to serve you. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family to them. Go buy, go peruse their fine selections of Mississippi State merchandise and memorabilia. You can outfit your office, your home, your RV, your pet, whatever you want, Mississippi State related, they can get it for you. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web. A college, pardon me campusbookmart.net. You'd think I'd know by now. Campusbookmart.net. I'm so sorry, Stan. Campusbookmart.net and promo code BSR. We'll save you a little cash there. BSR stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Blame it on a cold mess. Sorry about that. So speaking of Ole Miss stuff, and I want to talk about this because I have read with great interest in some of the Facebook groups and even on Gene's page and people are saying, Hey, I don't understand, you know, why Ole Miss people are so disappointed in our hire or whatever. And, and here's what I would say to that. Who cares? I, I, you know, I, I hope that they hate Mike Leach forever. I hope that he becomes, uh, you know, the, the coach they love to hate because that means that we've done well. But I, but I read these things, people are like, well, I don't, you know, what, Ole Miss people are making fun of our hire. We know every time they've had an opening for about the last 10 years, they have coveted Mike Leach. And now they get to compete against Mike Leach. And so, be that as it may, I don't think we need any lectures from anybody at Ole Miss on how to act or whatever. And, and I, I don't need their approval, and nor should you. When, when have we ever hired a coach that Ole Miss people were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. That guy's going to kill us. It, it, is the, it is the duty of the rival school to be critical of the hire of every coach. That's on our side, their side, Auburn side, Alabama side. Uh, San Diego State side, you know, nobody is ever impressed, ever. But I'll make my own little caveat with that, too. Like, when I hear these people talk comparing Lane Kiffin to Mike Leach, I kind of laugh a little bit because it's one of these things is not like the other. And that's Lane Kiffin has not had near the career that Mike Leach has. Now, granted, Mike Leach has been coaching much longer, but it's not the same. And, like, these people come out and say, oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of funny things to say. But Mike Leach is a better football coach than Lane Kiffin, and the numbers show that. Mike Leach has gone and been 
you know, a coordinator and a head coach in some places that have not been perennial winners and has won big. Look at the numbers that Tim Couch put up in the Mike Leach air raid offense at Kentucky. Look at the numbers that tennis that, pardon me, Texas Tech put up under the Mike Leach offense. Look at what Washington State has done. When you go back and look at where Lane Kiffin has coached, <laughs> USC, Tennessee, the Oakland Raiders, it's a much different deal. One's been kind of propped up in some, uh, you know, in some perennial powerhouses. I mean, Lane's had all the advantages. Goes to Tennessee, goes seven and six, goes to USC, and in four years at SC, four and a half years, gets one decent season, goes ten and two in 2011, gets fired in 2013, ironically after lost to Washington State. And then puts together two, two out of three good years there at FAU. People forget too in 2018, FAU five and seven, five and seven. Uh, so eight years as a coach, 62 and 34 overall. Uh, Mike Leach has coached as a head coach 18 seasons, been in the bowl game 16. Much different deal. We're not. This is not an apples to apples deal. Just because they're both outspoken does not mean they're the same caliber of coach. And I expect Mike Leach to dominate this stretch of egg bowls. My personal opinion. It's what I expect to happen because I think he's a much better football coach. So recruiting is a big aspect of thing. And I know there's, there's that segment of the Mississippi State fan base that always has to find something to worry about. And it's like, well, we win the Egg Bowl and we get back to a bowl game. Okay, well, now let's worry about this. Okay, well, then we fired the coach and then we're worried that we're going to go hire basically a high school coach and nobody wants our job and we feel so bad about ourselves and we're so indifferent about life. And then we go get Mike Leach, and you're like, wow. So rather than celebrate that, let's go find something else to worry about. Well, we got to find a good, great D.C. Mike Leach understands that we got to play defense in the Southeastern Conference. He gets it. He's coached here before, contrary to popular belief. He has coached in the SEC. He has been a play caller in the SEC before. This is not new. It's not something that he just is completely foreign to. He understands how important a defensive coordinator is, and he will land a good defensive coordinator. So then we got, well, Steve, you know, up the road here, they've hired all these recruiters. Okay, great. We've been through that before. I remember Ed Orzron went and hired all these recruiters, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to kill us. And then they basically, uh, you know, conspired with some uh, uneducated Clarion Ledger people to suggest that they were winning the recruiting wars early on and they had all these great players and everything else who were dominating the state, but yet they didn't post a winning season. Right? Is it just me? Because here's the deal, and sometimes we forget this. I don't forget it. Some of you do. Recruiting is a means to an end. You recruit to get football players, to develop them in hopes of winning football games. It's not about winning press conferences. It's not about winning in the paper. It's about winning on the scoreboard. That's what Mike Leach has specialized in. And he has historically gone to places that are off the beaten path, that are actually pretty remote. If you And if you haven't done any research on Pullman, Washington, let me share with you this, because I'm writing an article uh, about this, as the cold medicine and cold symptoms will allow. Pullman, Washington, is one of the most remote Power 5 schools in the country. In the country. They got a Safeway, they got a Walmart, and they got a lot of local flavor. Got a lot of civic pride. 
they are so far removed from Boise and from Seattle. It's almost like they're in a different state. They're on the wrong side of the Cascade Mountains. The closest shopping areas those kids have is to drive the hour and a half to Spokane. These are the kind of communities. Some people say, well, well, I bet you love Starkville. Well, first thing I'll tell you is I love Starkville. I love being here. I love living here. I love going to eat at the Grill and Harvey's and places like that. And even if I had many other alternatives, I wouldn't take them because I like eating and shopping local. And so Mike Leach has won at Lubbock. He has won at Pullman. You don't think it's difficult to recruit to Pullman, Washington? Those unforgiving winners up there, no, really no retail to speak of. You, if you go to Washington State, you really want to go to Washington State and play for Mike Leach. They don't have a lot to offer when it comes to the college experience. And I'm not saying that to be critical of, of Washington State because I know those people up there love their, their program and their university just as much as we love ours. So I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at Pullman. I'm just kind of pointing out this is a job Mike Leach has done. He has won at a place where you don't win. I don't know if you guys know this, but since, since 2000, in this century, do you know how many top 25 classes Washington State has had? Top 25 classes. They've had one. They've had one top 25 class since 2000. And that was back in 2004, long before Mike Leach got there. Mike Leach typically recruited in the 40s and 50s. Another interesting thing about that is you think, well, you know, well, they're not getting the best kids in Washington, and they're not. I'm sure that is a bitter pill to swallow for those that are Washington State fans in the state of Washington, because by and large, most of the better players go to UW. And to be fair, why wouldn't they? You get to go to Seattle. You get to be around the Seahawks. You get to go, you know, it's a, it's a great music scene there. At least there once was, you know. But you can do anything you want to do. The people at the Washington Huskies, they are recruiting to a major metropolitan area. They're recruiting to one of America's finest cities. Mike Leach and his staff were recruiting to Pullman, Washington. It's pretty similar to Starkville. Matter of fact, I, I would say Starkville uh, if, if you had to really pick and choose, Starkville would be in a better situation than Pullman. But yet they still found a way to go to bowl games all but two years he was there. You look historically at that Washington State program. They have been one of the worst programs in all of college football. That's not just, you know, hyperbole. Go look at the numbers. Their, their tradition is awful. They are not a team that historically wins. <clears throat> Washington State started playing football in 1894. 1894. So from 1894 all the way to 1980, two bowl games. Two bowl games. And they won one of those. Dennis Erickson goes in, has a couple of good years there. Mike Price comes in, and that's really probably the best era before the Mike Leach era. And that's yeah, that's when Ryan Leaf was there. You know, they it's it's a big part of all this, is that you had a couple of good coaches. But by and large, there is no tradition to speak of. There, in the last hundred years, Washington State has had 17 head football coaches. 17. 
12 of those never made a bowl game. They've been to 16 bowl games in their history. Six of those have come under Mike Leach. It's an incredible run. So when you begin to think about the fact that this is one of the most anemic college football traditions in the Power Five, and then he's won there, and he's had all these recruiting disadvantages because there's just there's no reason you go to Washington State except to play for Washington State. And more times than not, he's had to take some of the leftovers. But if you look at how they have expanded their recruiting footprint, they've gone into Texas, they've gone into Florida, they've gone into Hawaii. Mike Leach recruits nationally. And I submit to you that anybody that can get a kid to come from the state of Florida routinely, or kids to come from California routinely, to Pullman, Washington, that says a little bit about your ability to recruit. What will Mike Leach do with the facilities and the resources and the recruiting footprint that he has here? And this is a guy that's very particular in what he wants. There are sometimes there are some quarterbacks, even in his own backyard, that he didn't recruit because they didn't fit the skill set that he wanted for his players. And so you now that we've you know, because the D.C. thing will work out. We'll get it a good D.C. We'll be fine. Well, then we're going to worry about recruiting. And let I wish at Mississippi State, I wish, and it's not so much our administration and even our team or our students, it's many of our fans. I wish we could stop looking for something to worry about. And let's focus on what is rather than what might be. Because I believe Mike Leach is going to win a lot of football games here at Mississippi State. I believe we're going to pretty much continue to recruit as we always have. I don't think you're going to, you know, it's not all of a sudden you're going to start recruiting in the 40s and 50s just because of the fact that Mike Leach is a little bit of an eccentric. The state of Mississippi produces a much better brand of football player than the state of Washington does. And I don't say it to be critical of folks in Washington. One of the reasons why you don't have more big-time football prospects in the state of Washington is some those kids have alternatives. Those kids play hockey up there too. And so sometimes you've got guys that are having to pick and choose the sport. And so as a result, you don't always have, despite the fact that you've got a couple of nice metropolitan areas up there, you don't have a ton of football prospects. You get a lot of three-star guys, and occasionally you get an occasional five-star that generally leaves the state. But it's not a football hotbed. And so when these people say, well, you know, Steve, he can't recruit, and you know, Steve, it's the air raid offense, you don't have this, you don't have that. Uh, I just say, you know what, 18 seasons, 16 bowl games. I don't think he ever had a class at Washington State in the top 40, ever. And he didn't exactly set the woods on fire as a recruiter at Texas Tech in the eyes of the recruiting analyst. But you know what? He won a lot of football games. And those are the things that I think about. And maybe this is one of those things that we'll get off this, you know, so worried about the recruiting rankings. And listen, they matter in the grand scheme of things, especially at the upper end of college football. But one of the things I think you need to understand, too, is there are a lot of kids out there that get signed on by LSU and Alabama and Clemson that end up going elsewhere. But on signing day, everybody thought, hey, this kid's going to be a difference maker. This kid's going to the NFL. They they recruit over the top of those kids, and they move on. But recruiting rankings are part of the picture. And there are a lot of times, too, listen, don't, don't think it doesn't happen. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of analysts, well, if a kid commits to Alabama, he must be he must be great. You know, Alabama has some misses too. They may not have as many as the rest of us, but they do have some misses. But a lot of times, people want to be right, 
And so rather than trusting their own evaluation, I say, hey, well, listen, hey, Nick Saban knows what he's talking about. I'll defer to his expertise. And you know what? That's not always a bad school of thought. But recruiting rankings sometimes are kind of skewed by that sort of thing. You know, I, I remember some kids recently that uh, out of Louisiana, when LSU was really serious about it, they were four stars. And then when those kids like to go elsewhere, they're threes. It's funny how that works. I just trust my own evaluation. You know what? I don't know near as much about football as Mike Leach does. And this is a guy, too, that's proven, you know what? Give me uh, this remote area of Pullman, Washington, that's about 15 miles away from the Idaho state line far removed from all of the amenities in the big cities and metropolitan areas in the state of Washington. Give me that. Give me the fact that we don't have a lot of national restaurants there, a lot of national retail there. We've got about 35,000 people there. And that, you know, the median income around there is actually pretty low. You got a lot of people that aren't really thriving financially in that neck of the woods, but he still went and won a bunch of football games. And so it's like you, you continue to have these issues. You have these excuses. I, I didn't hear Mike Leach offer any excuses. I just heard Mike Leach go win football games. And it's, you know, it's the thing that I think about is, you know, all of that, again, is just part of a bigger picture. It's part of a bigger picture. Give me the guy that knows how to scheme you up over the guy that's going to go out and, and try to recruit guys to overcome his deficiencies as a coach. Good coaching generally wins. People say, well, you know, Steve, it's always about the Jimmys and the Joes. And you know what? Here's the problem with all of that. There are a lot of kids that have a lot of talent. They don't have great coaching. And so they never get developed. They never become what they should be. I mean, I think you can look up the road. I remember we did some studies back when I was with Scout. Is the highest number of four-star misses in the Southeastern Conference where it'll miss. And that's with the, the Houston nut years. And, you know, you go through all that stuff and there's all, you know, everything is great. We're, we're having conference calls or we're arguing because this guy's underrated or whatever. And then they don't go out there and produce. I can think of some guys that were just so incredibly overrated and then they don't produce. And here's what happens. And I've had this discussion with a few college coaches too about recruiting rankings. Is when all of a sudden the recruiting rankings get a little bit inflated and you don't win, you know what they do? They say, well, we listen, we got all this talent. We got all this talent. We're not winning, so it has to be coaching. It has to be coaching. And more times than not, it is. But it's also because of the fact sometimes the recruiting rankings are a little bit inflated. A little bit inflated. And so again, Mike Leach, and I've got the numbers right here. Let me just run them down here for you. Here's the recruiting rankings for Washington State. Starting with 2020, working backwards, 61, 66, 46, 44, 56, 42, 53, and 50. He's going to recruit at a better clip here because there's more talent here. There's higher rated players here. There's guys here that, you know, get to play football pretty much year round. We're outside a lot more down here. Okay, we're, we're playing seven on seven outdoors. It's just a little different. We, we produce football players in the South with greater regularity than they do in the Pacific Northwest. And, again, that's not to be negative about that region of the country. It is what it is. You can go run the math yourself. And then you've got Washington State playing with the leftovers, winning consistently. Those are the things that I think about. Mike Leach has never had the resources and the talent pool with which to to staff his system 
at any point in his career as a head football coach that he's going to have right here. And I, again, I expect, I still expect state to recruit somewhere in the teens and the twenties. We're never, listen, he's not going to show up here and all of a sudden we're going to recruit in the top 10. That, that's unrealistic, but we're going to continue to recruit probably top 25, top 30 classes, and we're going to continue to win. And we're going to have a more fun brand of football because we're going to be doing something nobody else is doing. Nobody else in the league is doing this. And if you don't think the air raid can work, go back and look at what they did with, with at Kentucky. Go look go look at what Mike Leach did at Kentucky. And you can say, well, you know what? He had Tim Couch. You know what? Tim Couch had Mike Leach. Gardner Minshew had Mike Leach. You can run, all, you can run the numbers all the way down. Graham Harrell had Mike Leach. Go look at a lot of these Texas Tech quarterbacks, Cliff Kingsbury included. They didn't do as well in the National Football League. They didn't get to take Mike Leach with them. Mike Leach will get the most out of his quarterbacks. And that's when I hear, I see these discussions. Well, what about what Steve? What about Garrett Schrader? Hey, you know what? This may be the best thing that ever happened to Garrett Schrader. Well, Steve, Will Rogers, you know what? Will Rogers was recruited by Washington State and Mike Leach. I've read these stories with great interest. People said, you know what? Mike Leach makes guys better quarterbacks, just like he sprinkles fairy dust on them because they become a different player. I think part of that is because of how Mike Leach sees the game. You can go back and watch those. I've watched YouTube videos, countless YouTube videos since Thursday, countless. And you can go see what Graham Harrell had to say, what Michael Crabtree had to say, and how they process information and how they see the game so much differently than other people. They get the ball out quick. They get the ball out fast. They get the ball in space. They get the ball in stride. Accuracy is a big part of this thing. It's a different deal. It is a much different deal with Mike Leach calling plays. And so I just submit to you, rather than worry about, well, Steve, what about junior day? Just cool your jets, okay? Just relax. We're going to continue to recruit at the same clip we always have. You go back and look, Sebastian Kroon did it, Dan Mullen did it, Jim Moorhead did it. Yeah, I think we had, what, a couple top 20 classes under Mullen, and we won a ton of football games because Dan was such a good football coach and had the ability to develop talent. Sylvester Kroon and his crew a bit, you know, figured the recruiting piece out towards the end. Jim Moorhead worked very hard to recruit, so you've got a roster that has talent. And now they'll get some coaching. You know, we've got to go out and find some receivers. But I think about the 2021 class and how it's so wide receiver heavy, and then you see what we're doing on the field and our needs at wide receiver. I, you know, all of a sudden I think, you know what, Brevard and and uh, those guys might want to give Mississippi State a longer look now. Makes better sense to me. We had a good time uh, yesterday. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's a really good chance that a Mississippi State Bulldog will win a Super Bowl this year. Really good chance. Pretty much any team outside of the 49ers. So I guess we're rooting against the Niners. Preston Smith has become a superstar in the National Football League. Making the move from Washington to Green Bay, he has become a fan favorite. Made the decisive sack on third down with just around three minutes to go in the ballgame to pretty much remove all doubt in the ballgame against Seattle. Thus eliminating K.J. Wright from a uh, potential Super Bowl push. K.J.'s had a great career, but it's time for the young dogs to eat. Hunter Bradley, Will, Will Redmond, several other Bulldogs, Elton Jenkins, still playing. I'm pulling for Green Bay, to be honest with you. I'm pulling for Green Bay to win the deal. Chris Jones didn't play yesterday. Kansas City still wins the ball game. 
one of the most remarkable comebacks I've seen in playoff history, just like you guys. They're down 24 to nothing, and they come back and, and destroy, absolutely destroy the Texans. That eliminates Jordan Thomas and Bernard McKinney. But how cool is it that Mississippi State fans have a recruiting interest with so many different NFL teams now? And listen, that's a tribute to, to Sylvester Croom, Dan Mullen, Jim Moorhead. And I remember people said, you know, well, Sylvester Croom won't be able to recruit. Dan Mullen won't be able to recruit. Jim Moorhead won't be able to recruit the South. But yet we continue to replicate our success on a recruiting trail. That's what continues to happen because it's about Mississippi State. It's because we have so many players that grow up in this state and state and Ole Miss by and large have split much of the state town. You can go back a few years and see where one team has dominated over the other, but by and large over the four year recruiting cycle, you're going to split most of the talent because there are some kids that are just Mississippi state kids. And there are some kids that are Ole Miss kids. So you're going to continue to recruit along those same lines, but now you're going to have a coach similar in many respects to what Dan Mullen did. You're going to have a guy that can scheme you up with better players than he's ever had at any point in his career. That's exciting to me. I think we're going to continue to put players in a National Football League, probably at a much better clip. We might actually get a receiver drafted for the first time in a long time. I hadn't done the numbers in a long time, but I remember one time a while back, I think the last receiver we had drafted was Justin Jenkins. I think that's right. We hadn't put a lot of receivers in the National Football League, and now we're about to go to a very wide receiver-friendly scheme, which in turn will attract more wide receivers because we're going to throw the football around. You don't think A.J. Brown would have wanted to play in this scheme? I suspect he would have. You know, our running back recruiting might take a little bit of a clip just because of the fact that we're not going to use the running back in the same way we normally have. Speaking of running backs, a lot of questions about Colin Hill's intentions. I was told the day before the coaching change that Colin Hill was leaning towards coming back and kind of polishing his game a little bit, finishing his degree and that sort of stuff. Um, and so here's where we are. We've made a coaching change, but it's interesting to me. The things that I think Colin Hill has mentioned that he needs to get better at is he needs to get better pass pro. Well, he'll get a chance to do some of that. Needs to get better as a receiver out of the backfield. He'll get to do a lot of that, and he'll get to carry the football. And another thing that I think about, too, we're kind of reminiscent of that 2009 year with Anthony Dixon. You know, Dixon got most of the, his yards early in his career running against eight and nine-man boxes. Well, what happens now when we run four wide receivers out there and all of a sudden we're able to spread the field the full length of the, the field and people can't stack the boxes against Colin Hill? Uh, that excites me as well because I think if we can design ways to get our best player the football in space – especially with DBs you know, running off. I think a lot of people are going to have to play a lot of zone coverage against us. I, I suspect many people will drop eight and nine in coverage because of the fact that we're going to throw it so much. And when they're dropping eight and nine in coverage and we decide to pull it and give it to Colin Hill and all of a sudden he's got a five and six yard head start on defenders who were pulling out and backing away to drop into coverage, all of a sudden we beat a guy at the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden Colin's averaging six, seven, eight, nine yards a carry then all of a sudden those linebackers have to start paying a little closer attention to them. And so I, I think that Matt, uh, Mike Leach has never had a running back quite like Colin Hill at his disposal, and I think he will cook up some things that will be very, very exciting. Uh, I am very excited, and, and you should be as well, and I've read with great interest to people that have said, you know what, hey, I was considering not renewing my season tickets, went ahead and did it. 
went ahead and upped my Bulldog Bulldog Club contribution because of the fact that I'm excited about football and I want to get better seats. I was about ready to bail on the whole thing, but here I am now doubling down. Here I am increasing my commitment to Mississippi State football. That's exactly what we wanted to happen. We were listless. I mean, absolutely listless. Our fan base was fractured. And what's interesting about that, too, is I think after the way we lost that bowl game in the Music City Bowl, even the most hardened Jim Moorhead supporters uh, said, you know what, we need to make a change. And again, best of luck to Joe. Matter of fact, I heard from Joe yesterday, really nice message from Joe, thanking me for my support during his time here. I think the world of Joe Moorhead, I think he's a wonderful person and uh, hope that he finds a great opportunity for himself and his family and uh, and has you know a great career. It just simply didn't work out here. I know it's, it's easy uh, you know, to pile on when the guy is your coach. But, you know, Joe Moorhead didn't come here to lose. Joe Moorhead came and gave his best effort, and it didn't work out. Doesn't mean we're not friends anymore. We're just not fellow Bulldogs. I remain a Bulldog, and he will be something else. But I will always be grateful for, uh, you know, for his efforts and the, the, the opportunities that he had to be here and, of course, the two Egg Bowl wins. You know, hey, Joe, thanks for that. If nothing else, thanks for that. We were able to keep the Golden Egg at home for a couple of years thanks to your efforts. And uh, Godspeed to you wherever you go. But it's a new day and time at Mississippi State. Mike Leach is our guy. We're excited about that, as well we should be. I want to remind you guys, too, that if you hadn't done so, go order your books at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. I don't know if you know that Stark Villains is currently number two on the Mississippi Reads list, just behind John Grisham. Flim Flam took down Grisham's Camino Island. We're working hard to take down the Guardians. And so if you haven't bought your book, please do so. And please support our independent bookstores in the state of Mississippi. As much as I'd like for you to order from our website, if you live out of the great state of Mississippi, we encourage you to use our website at StarkBillingsTheBook.com. However, if you are in the state of Mississippi, let me please encourage you, and not just for my books, but for all books, buy them at Mississippi's great bookstores. This is a dying institution, and we have some of the the best private bookstores in the country right here in the state of Mississippi. If you're in and around the Jackson area, please go to Lemuria Books. I don't know that I've got a better friend in the literary community other than John Evans. If you're in the greater Starkville area or in the Golden Triangle, please frequent Book Martin Cafe in downtown Starkville. Miss Carolyn Abedi will even make you a cup of coffee while you're there. Main Street Books in Hattiesburg, an institution in the Hub City. Turn Row Books in the Mississippi Delta. Great folks, great people, great prices. Please go by and see them. And again, I'm very serious about our literary heritage here in Mississippi. And these folks that support writers like me, And there are many writers out there, to be quite honest with you, that don't have the base that I have, that are working hard, trying to make a living, and trying to get a break. And these bookstores give those those authors an opportunity to get their books sold. So please, please support Mississippi's independent bookstores. If you can't get to one again, StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And listen, every time I go out somewhere and I get on a Stark Villain shirt, somebody asks me, where do you get it? Very simple. Go to StarkVillains.com. And you can order your T-shirts and hoodies, and we've got them in an assortment of school colors uh, because, you know, we're plugged into the community here. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.